Hey everyone, Dr. Tim and Hillary for another Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I am doing good, doing good. I heard a rumor that the Hillary Farms grew a, a population grew plus one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I adopted a bearded dragon over the weekend. I don't officially have her yet. Um, hopefully this weekend I'll get to pick her up. So I'm super excited. Oh boy. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you moved out to a farm. I, I got to have lots of space for all the animals. That's it. Uh, <laughs> at the start here, folks, uh, we found that we had a problem with our contact form. It wasn't coming to us, which means that if you left us an email from our uh, store site and never got a response, we apologize, but we weren't getting those emails. That's been rectified. But um, if you asked a question or asked for, for example, the fish food or something like that in the past uh, few months and never got a response from us, would you please try again? And if you don't get a response, then you can always catch us at info at drtimsaquatics.com. But um, we're trying to catch up with all those. Uh, and we apologize for that. Some technical difficulties. Yep. All right. Lots of questions today, Hillary. So let's get started. All right. Yep. You're right. We've got a ton of questions today. We might actually have to split this one into two podcasts because we have so many. But let's get started. Do you recommend removing filter socks and or the carbon when dosing first defense? When dosing first defense? Uh, no. The filter so the first defense dissolves right in the water, so the filter socks have no uh, effect. And the carbon, the carbon might, but it'll be minimal for most of the stuff that's in first defense, so I wouldn't bother with that. What I do want to caution is don't dose first defense on the same day that you add our waste away or equal balance. I'm talking about the liquid waste away, not the gels or the equal balance because they have high concentrations of bacteria that will feed on the materials that are in the first defense. And if you add them both together, um, you may, you may get a bacterial bloom. So you should wait at least a day, if not two days, uh, before adding first defense after you've dosed with waste away or, or eco-balance. And to, I may be wrong on this, but don't several, like, um, there's like a chart with all the products. I think it even mentions like, don't, don't use multiple products in the same day, give it a day in between. Right. Our labels say that, but that implies that our customers, our, our customers read our labels. I'm sure they do. Everybody reads. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't, this is your sign. <laughs> this is your sign. Yes. We put that on the labels and on the lab and the guide and the internet and podcasts like this. So yeah, we try. Right. <laughs> okay. Moving on to number two, can I use no pox and waste away at the same time? If so, do I need to remove my carbon? Oh, carbon questions. Um, well, you do not have to remove the carbon, but I would be very careful adding no pox and waste away at the same time, basically for the same reason that uh, I just mentioned. 
in that nopox is a carbon source. So that is food for bacteria. The whole idea behind nopox is to stimulate the carbon, the bacteria in your tank, uh, making the assumption that the tank is low in carbon. But if you add the nopox and the waste away at the same time, basically the, the waste away bacteria are going to feed on that nopox and they can bloom out of control. So if you really want to do that, you need to do a little experimentation, cut back on the amount of waste away, cut back on the amount of nopox, observe your tank. If it's going to, if you're going to get a bacterial bloom, it's going to happen within the first couple of hours and uh, proceed carefully and cautiously. And uh, you've been warned, be careful. All right. You know, you let, me, let me, because, you know, I said bacterial bloom, and I'm assuming people know what the potential problem with bacterial bloom is. And the issue with a bloom, which cause, you know, you've got a bacterial bloom because your water goes cloudy. And the issue is that when that happens, the bacteria that are blooming, these heterotrophic bacteria, are re can remove well, they need oxygen. They remove oxygen from the water. And if the bloom is too intense and the water gets super cloudy, then you're uh, going to suck all the oxygen out of the water, which can lead to fish deaths and coral deaths and things like that because there's no oxygen in the water. So blooms can reduce oxygen, which can cause issues. That's why you want to prevent bacterial blooms. And just real quick, if you happen to have a bloom, what do you need to do? There's a couple of things that are yeah. Really the first, easy. the first thing, turn your skimmer back on if it's off because the skimmer removes the bacteria. If you have a UV, turn that back on. Then um, aeration, add lots of water, surface agitation, air stones, anything to get more oxygen in the tank, and then hopefully you've got some seawater or fresh water to available and do water changes. That's the first three things you should do. All right. So start you on your way to troubleshooting before you even get there. Be prepared. Okay, question number four. I would like to try EcoBalance probiotics for freshwater aquariums. I wanna order them from your Amazon store, the 32 ounce bottle of Koi EcoBalance probiotics, but I would like to ask, if the bacteria can survive the transport from the U.S. to Singapore through Amazon shipping. I know that nitrifying bacteria is extremely sensitive to heat and cold, but I'm not sure about this one. Well, these are not nitrifying bacteria. They're heterotrophic, so um, they're not nearly as sensitive. And yes, they can survive uh, traveling anywhere. We ship them around the world ourselves. Um, so, yep, they would do fine. Perfect. Okay. Ooh, ooh, I like this one. Hello. I was wondering what the ingredients are in first defense stress relief. I'm using it for an axolotl and they cannot have aloe. Thanks for your help. Well, the ingredients are proprietary, but I can promise you there's absolutely no aloe in any of our products. So you're safe there. We have lots of people that use first defense in the for axitolis and there's never been an issue all right that's good to know and 
if you um, hear this, definitely check out our page, My Reptile Systems, because we have a whole line of reptile stuff that um, we're starting to talk a lot more about. And we've got a lot of great products and great information over there. So thank you for reaching out. Okay, question number six. I ordered the liquid form of Waste Away for reef tanks, Refresh for reef tanks, and EcoBalance for reef tanks. How should I administer these liquids all together or one different bottle every other day? I'm also running a protein skimmer. So how do I run the skimmer with these products? Okay, so they have Waste Away, Refresh, and what was the third one? Uh, EcoBalance. Okay, so, well, it, we need a little more information. So there's a couple of ways. Maybe you, if you have an issue, like you you read the recipe card on how to get rid of cyanos or dinos or algae using the waste away and the refresh, what you do is you're going to add the refresh two or three times waiting a day between as, as it knocks back the nuisance uh, algae that you have. And then to clean it up, you would start with the waste away at a very low dose. So that's if you're trying to solve some type of issue, your tank has you know, got algae or something. If you're just looking for routine uh, maintenance of your tank, then I would add a little bit of waste away each week. Then, uh, so, so waste away one week. Eco balance the next week, and then the third week refresh, and just repeat that. Don't don't add don't add them all in the same day. We do put that caution on our back, on our bottles. You you would not want to add eco balance and waste away on the same day because that's a double dose of bacteria, and that can get you the bloom that we've talked about. Um, the refresh that bacteria is designed to go out and basically get rid of certain other types of bacterias and algae and things like that. But it doesn't get rid of the underlying cause, which is high organics and high nutrients. That's what the waste away does. But you need to give the refresh time to do its thing. And then you add the waste away. So don't add the refresh and the waste away on the same day. Refresh first, if you're trying to clean something up or just I've, there's plenty of uh, people I know who like the effect of the refresh that it really does make your tank clean and surfaces clean and sparkle. Um, and so they use the refresh on a regular basis once a month. And these are all guidelines. If you don't have a lot of uh, fish, so you're not feeding a lot, it might be every other week. You, you can experiment a little to see what's best um, for you and to stretch your aquarium dollars. Uh, there's no hard and fast rule because even if you, you know, five people have a 50-gallon tank, it's how much fish, how many fish are in there, how much are you feeding? So everything is different. So these are guidelines. It might be that you do this every other week. So experiment a little. Yep. I like that. Every tank is different. So every answer is a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. And if, if someone, you know, someone says you have to do it exactly this way, yeah, 
cautious on that because that's kind of like the rule you can only have one inch of fish per gallon. That's not true. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I understand people want some guidelines, but that's what they are. They're guidelines. Use some common sense. Uh, and uh, always less is better when it comes to aquariums. You can, you know, add more fish as the system matures uh, if you need to, but there is a limit. And then realize more fish means more food, which means more work. And are you prepared to do the work? If you're not prepared to do the work, and and if the aquariums become work, step oh, back yeah. and go, why Why does it become, you know, it went from an enjoyable hobby to work. Well, maybe you put too many fish in there. Maybe you've got too much stuff in there. So cut back a little bit, you know gift some friends some some animals and reduce the amount of animals which will reduce the amount of feeding which will make less work and you can get back to it looking nice and uh you can enjoy it instead of it being a chore yep i feel like so many people hit that burnout stage because they just like they get caught up and carried away and it becomes too much and it becomes a chore and the joy is gone from it so yeah, and that's mostly. Uh, and let me warn you now, Hillary, Uh-oh. <laughs> about those bearded dragons. Once you get one, you got. Oh, I got to get a chameleon, and I got to get a monitor, and I got to oh, get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've been warned early on. I, you know, I'm prepared for it. Actually, uh-huh. I think chameleon. I still want a chameleon, but uh-huh. I also kind of want like a, a rosy boa or some sort of snake. See, now you're up to three already. I know. <laughs> oh, boy. Did you know they have cute little outfits for your bearded dragons and, like, leashes and everything else? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on video right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, no. now, now I'm the one who's digressing. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, <either. laughs> All right. Back to question, what number, whatever. But just if, if it's become a chore, folks, there's a reason for that. And it, and it is, this should be enjoyable. So uh, we evaluate, we evaluate how you're doing things and get back to enjoying the tank. Um, yep. All right. Number seven, I always find the information that you share in your podcast so useful. Are you guys considering publishing a book? Also, the only thing I dislike is every time Dr. Tim says, I don't want to go too technical please do. Well, there's one vote for technical. <laughs> well, we'll try. Uh, yes, I've got a book in my head, but that's as far as it's gotten. It takes, uh, you know, you need artists, you need editors, you need, you need people. And uh, right now um, just doesn't seem to be the time. Are you asking for help getting your book on paper or just it's on the back burner? No, I, uh, what, what I would like, but I don't, but I, and I looked at this, but it doesn't seem possible is what if you wrote and an, a book that was, I call live. What, what if you wrote the first chapter and, and put that on the internet and you wrote a chapter each month? And the book grew, but 
I looked into that and no, you can't do that. You have to have it a, a done, you know, the full done book. Uh, no. You can absolutely do that. I have a friend that just wrote a whole book on Patreon. Chapter oh, he wrote by the chapter. whole, but he wrote the whole book. Did, did yeah. he or she write the whole book in no. stages? Yeah, she wrote it like each week she released a new chapter. Oh, well, then you need to put me in touch with her because that I could <laughs> that I could probably do where I don't know about each week, but you could, you know, uh, do do it in do it in chapters and, you know, the next chapters to come because writing the whole book is just a daunting task um, with my current schedule. All right, folks, you heard it. He's Maybe. willing to write a book chapter at a time. We'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> okay. Question number eight is another question from YouTube. Could you please do a step-by-step video on exactly what you would do if you were going to do a fish in cycle? I think there's a lot of people out there who want to know. A fish in cycle. All right. We can do that. Hillary, if you could put that on the to-do list, we can, oh. we can do that. Uh, but a, a, a fish in cycle, you know, you have fish in the tank instead of a fishless cycle. So just so we expound about that a little bit, a lot of people want to do fishless cycle where you set up the tank and you, and you add ammonia drops or, and I think I forwarded you this question today, Hillary, about the guy that put the dead fish in the tank and now wonders why his tank is all cloudy and ugly and stinky. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, but you're 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 adding some ammonia or a source that will become ammonia to grow the bacteria. Once you have sufficient nitrifying bacteria, then you put the fish in. Perfectly fine way to do it. With our system, our recipe guide, it takes about twelve to fifteen days to, to completely cycle the tank. Sometimes less, and it's a numbers game, as I've said many times. If you want to cycle faster, you need to add more bacteria because you need more back you need more bacteria to handle the fish waste. With a fish in tank, you basically set up the system, add the nitrifying bacteria and then you add a couple of fish and you slowly grow the fish population as the bacteria grow. You can add a lot of fish at one time and we've had people do this, we have public aquariums do this, but you have to add a you know, larger amount of bacteria, which of course costs you money. Um, but there's nothing hard about this. You can do it successfully. Um, and we definitely can do a video. You, you need to have substrate. A lot of issues, the number one, two, and three issues, I think with people cycling, with fish is if you have a, a fish that has water chemistry that the nitrifiers don't like, and that's primarily on the freshwater side where people have soft water, low pH water, you know, cause they're doing some type of a central American fish, you know, like the discus and, and cichlids that are in there because central I'm mean, South American fish that are come from very low uh, pH, very soft water, because those are conditions that nitrifiers can't stand, uh, they, but they don't grow very well in them. Um, or you're, you're not 
buying into the program of using a quality bacteria and all nitrifiers are not equal. Let's put it this way. Well, one, all nitrifiers are not equal, uh, but also all nitrifying products are not equal. And, um, you know, it's the old adage, you pay for what you get. So you buy a nitrifier brand product that really isn't nitrifiers and you can't figure out what's going on. Um, so you've got to buy quality product and you have to have substrate, um, which is generally the coral rubble or rocks on the bottoms, bare bottom tanks, no matter how much of this engineered media you put in the sump, bare bottom tanks are always going to take longer to cycle. So if you put fish in the tank and you like that nice look of a bare bottom uh, you've got an issue because you probably you don't have enough surface area that the bacteria want to really grow on, and they're not going to work very well um, when they're free swimming. The nitrifiers need to attach before they really start working on something. And then the other part is you're afraid the bacteria aren't going to work even if you buy the quality product and you start dumping in chemicals, specifically ammonia-removing chemicals like our AquaCleanse. They serve a purpose, but their purpose is not to cycle your tank. And using large amounts of any ammonia-removing chemical will, will set back and delay and inhibit the growth of the nitrifiers, so you're basically making things even worse. But we, we can do a video, show you how to do that. I've got it on my notes for today's show. It might not be soon, but we'll work on that. Okay, uh, here's another question from YouTube. I'm currently cycling a new 20 gallon tank. Um, it's three weeks in. My levels are 0.25 ammonia, two parts per million nitrites, is it necessary to add more ammonia so the bacteria does not starve or do I wait until the nitrites reach zero and add additional ammonia? Okay, so first the nitrifiers are not gonna starve. They can go quite a long time without ammonia. And then to answer the question, the ammonia is low enough to add more ammonia. The nitrites right on the edge. So what I would want to know is is the nitrite at two, is, the, is that the highest it's been and it's going down? Or is has the trend been for the nitrite, it's going up? I would tend to think that it's going down and it's topped out because there's almost no ammonia left in the system. You know, if you had ammonia that was two and nitrite that was two, you can deduce that the nitrite's going to increase because that ammonia is going to be converted. But with the ammonia being 0.25, your nitrite's probably topped out. So I think it would be fine uh, to add ammonia. And remember, you don't, we recommend that four drops is the maximum. You can always add just one drop, two drops, you know. Uh, so there'd be nothing wrong right now with adding a half a dose, two drops per gallon of the ammonia at this point. But yep. what, what you want to look at is, is the trend. And that's why when you're starting up, it's important to write things down. Uh, you know, is my, my ammonia has gone up and now it's trending down my nitrite. Is it on the upswing or is it heading down? 
And that gives you the indication if they're heading down, you know, the nitrifiers are working. And then look at your pH because we've got another person who has problems. The water source they have is very soft and doesn't have much alkalinity. So their pH is at seven. Because remember, if you've heard our past talks, as you're cycling and adding ammonia and doing the cycling nitrification process, the pH is going to drop. And even though the bacteria are there, they're going to drastically slow down because as the pH gets below seven, the ammonia is going to be in the ammonium form, NH4+, which the bacteria don't use. So the, you know, your test kit will show there's ammonia. It's just in the water due to the low pH. It's in the wrong form. So the bacteria aren't converting it very fast. And that means what you need to do is a water change or add some type of buffer. And if you're going to do a water change, remember when you're in the first couple of weeks of setting up your tank, if you have to do a water change, take the water from the middle of the water column, the top of the water column. Don't start siphon cleaning. Don't clean your filter pad. Don't uh, go and clean the whatever substrate or siphon the water out of whatever substrate you're using, because that's where the nitrifiers are. And they're colony hasn't established itself enough to really stick and you potentially could be removing nitrifiers from your system, which of course you don't want to do. All right. Let's see. We have another, so I think we've got two more questions from YouTube. Would you recommend ever using a siphon or a sand cleaner, seeing as the bacteria is on the substrate, or should I avoid ever using one? I feel like this is a perfect timing for this question. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, folks, I never see these questions ahead of time. <laughs> uh, definitely siphon clean. It's just the timing. And, and so, as I said, you don't want to siphon clean in the first couple of weeks, say three weeks of setting up the tank, give the bacteria time, the nitrifiers time to establish and stick on the, the substrate. But after that, you do want to clean your gravel or your coral substrate regularly because it is being clogged up with organic material and detritus. And the water is going to go in the path of least resistance. And so you can have all this surface area of the, of the coral rubble, but if all that area between the coral is is clogged with fish, you know, detritus, fish food, fish waste, and st stuff like that, you're getting no use. Plus, all that organic material is being broken down. You know, the fish poop and the, the dead plants are just all that stuff is degraded by bacteria into ammonia. So it's just putting in another source of um, ammonia load on your system. There's no good reason to have any of that in there. So definitely, I uh, you need to clean your tank on a regular basis, and also as we head in, you know, to summer, and it's quite hot out. There's going to be, you know, California. We'll start getting our rolling blackouts, and and there'll be lots of weather-related events where your electricity may go out. If you if your tank is full of organics. The bacteria are degrading those organics. The bacteria are removing oxygen from the water that otherwise 
could be used by your corals or fish. So you definitely want to keep a clean uh, substrate bed. Uh, and I would be extra clean. You don't have to go crazy with it, but um, if you can stir it up a little and they have a big brown cloud of stuff comes up, then you need to clean that. I, I'm definitely a big proponent of cleaning that out. You know, now if, if you've got a plant tank or you know you've got some type of specialty tank, then you have to rethink that. For, but for most people, having a, a, a substrate, a bed of substrate that's clogged full of organics serves no useful purpose. Yep. And something that you touched on in your answer was about like summertime and power outages and stuff. If you are worried about that sort of thing, we actually did a podcast. It's almost been like a year now, maybe about like what to do and how to be prepared for emergencies. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to that. Like, like you said, summer's here. Things are getting really hot. We're about to like roll into the beginning of hurricane season. So you want to make sure that you're prepared for whatever might happen. Yep. Mm -hmm. so. okay. Little preparation always pays off. 100%. This is the public service message from Dr. Tim Zaguar. <laughs> <So, sorry. laughs> well, I can't stress it enough. I was over-prepared for my move. And if I hadn't been, I don't know. But everybody would be alive. I don't know if you could be overprepared. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I thought I had enough water in, in the middle of my move. I'm like in the Walmart parking lot mixing salt <laughs> in a jug. Oh, and this isn't live streamed on Facebook or something? Here's Hillary oh. with the with the light of her truck midnight <laughs> making seal. You know, it's funny. I'm about to make a video on this for uh, Saltwater Aquarium. And I was like, you know, it's just going to have to be me sitting here talking because I don't have any photos or any videos of it. Cause like my first priority is to take care of the fish. Like it's like, yeah, it's cool if I get photos along the way of this stuff, but in an emergency taking photos and videos is not my first priority. That's what I never figured out when you, when you know, the, this person was rescued by this person or this animal was rescued by this person. Well, why is the person with the camera? Why don't they just put that down and help the person rescue the person or the animal and get it done faster? No, right. you videotape and we'll take a while <laughs> to figure this out. Yep. Hmm. That never made sense to me. So, no. but, yeah. Okay. We definitely digressed that time. <laughs> we, we keep catching ourselves. Yes. Okay. This is my last question that I have on here from YouTube. Is it normal for the pH to be low during a fishless cycle? Currently, my ammonia level is zero. My nitrites are two, but my pH is seven. My salinity is normal. I'm not sure what normal means. Uh, should I try to correct the pH or wait until the cycle is complete? Okay, so a couple of things. When you write us or, or you know, YouTube, Facebook, however you contact us, Giving us numbers is a whole lot better than normal, um, like that answer. Or if you write us and you don't include water quality and we email back and say, what are your you know, water quality parameters? An answer of perfect or normal does, is not helpful. Okay. So we, we'd like some numbers, please. Yes. That Scientists need numbers. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, we just, it would just, Dave, if you, if you haven't measured it, then say that, say, well, I don't know. I didn't measure that, but don't, 
just say it's it's perfect or it's normal. We get that all the they're perfect. Well, can we be the judge of that? Let's put the thing you know thing together like this. So now now you're you're it's salt water because you mentioned mentioned salinity. Normally, salt water mixes have a fair amount of alkalinity. But when you're doing a fishless cycling, you're adding a fair amount of ammonia. And what is happening, as I just mentioned earlier, a couple of questions ago, that ammonia is being converted to nitrite. The nitrite's being converted to nitrate. And the person, I think they said they had zero ammonia, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Now, we don't know how many times they've added it, but I would assume it's been several times. And that means they've added a lot of ammonia. It's zero. So it's all been converted to nitrate, which the process of nitrification produces acids, hydrogen ions, which have consumed their alkalinity and dropped their pH. Your tank's natural trend is to go to a lower pH because nitrification produces hydrogen ions, which consume, like I said, alkalinity. And then once you lose that, your pH drops. Now the ammonia is in the form of ammonium, NH4+, the bacteria can't use. So what this person needs to do, we don't know how many times they've added ammonia, but I'm sure it's more than once, is do a big water change. Don't disturb the substrate. And you're going to, you know, new seawater, you're going to get your alkalinity back up. The pH should be back 7.8 to 8.2 or 3. And you're probably ready for fish. If you've added ammonia at least twice or even, you know, better three times and there's no ammonia and there's no nitrite, the system is cycled. Unless you have a good reason your fish are in quarantine or you're waiting for your fish to get delivered, there's no reason to keep on adding more ammonia to the system. And the whole idea is to have a fish tank, not a ammonia tank. Um, so, uh, but definitely you need to change some water. You can try chemicals, but it, it, it's just kind of, beating your head against a wall to, to increase alkalinity in a saltwater system with buffers, just change the water. That would be a better thing to do. Yep. Very rarely can you go wrong with doing a water change. Yeah. yeah. Not rarely. It's always, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a good water change. And the problem with adding chemicals, again, a short-term solution, you can add, you know, baking soda or something. But you have to remember that the ratio of the major ions in seawater is constant. It doesn't matter whether you go to the the Red Sea, which has a higher salinity, you go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is a higher pressure. Within pretty close numbers, the ratio of sodium to magnesium to calcium, you know, the major ions, cations and anions is the same. When you start, what that means is these animals are evolutionarily programmed for those changes. This is the big difference between you know, marine animals and freshwater animals. Most freshwater animals can tolerate uh, a wider range of water conditions 
because if you're in the Amazon, you have the flood season and then you have the dry season and the water parameters change. But with the ocean, they don't change that much. The pH, the sodium, the calcium, they're pretty much always constant. And so evolutionarily, the animals can't tolerate that. And that is why you have to maintain more constant water quality in a saltwater system because the corals and the fish aren't evolutionarily adapted to huge changes in the in those ions. And if you start adding chemicals, well, you're going to change the ratios. And this gets to a big problem with people, you know, with magnesium, the, the ratio of magnesium to calcium with your corals. It gets out of whack. And that's what causes problems. So a good quality salt mix will match those ratios. And when you do a water change, you're you're putting in the right seawater at the right ratios and you don't have to worry about this. And and this is conversely why if you have a, a coral tank that's really growing and the corals are growing a lot, what are those corals doing? They're removing the calcium from the water. That's why you have a calcium reactor. So if you're having poor coral growth, uh, look at your calcium. You know, they were doing great. Now they're not doing well. Well, look at your calcium levels. Look at your magnesium levels. That's why there's test kits there. They should be, you know, at the right ratio and they should be above certain levels, which you can get on our website or any quality um, info site. Uh be, uh, but they're being removed, selectively being removed by the corals as they build their calcareous coral structure. Yep. And the same for invertebrates. Invertebrates use a lot of calcium as well. Right. So that's why uh, you know you need you need test kits. Uh, it really tells you what's going on, and and a log. Uh, you know, there's lots of apps and uh, electronic gadgets and things like that, but they're all kind of worthless if you're not going to use them. But you want to look at that trend. Well, look at this. Three months ago, my calcium, you know, was here. Now it's way down here. Hmm, that might be an indication of why you're having issues. Yep. Okay. Oh, here's a good one, and I. It, I think this one might have been a talked to text message because it doesn't sound complete. So I'll try and fill in what I think um, it was supposed to say. Okay. So this is the last, last question for room. I'm just kidding. Cause you said the other one was the last question. No, I said that was the last YouTube question. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I didn't read the directions and gave the full do dosage of waste away first and it says, and only, I, so I assume like they did a full dosage of waste away and then one and only all in the same go. I wanted to know if I should do anything that will help out my tank. I have a saltwater tank that is 75 gallons with corals and fish and snails and invertebrates. Well, thank you for your honesty of, I didn't read the directions. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I thought you would I, like that one. Yeah, I say this a lot, and I'm sure everybody reads the directions. No, they don't. Um, well, the the issue is: is there any negative? You know, it's not in all cases because what what we say with the waste away, if you haven't used it before, is add a small dose. 
And that's because you can have a lot of nutrients in your tank, a lot of organics hidden away behind, you know, structures in the, in the substrate. And that's what the bacteria in waste away feed on. So if you have a lot of nutrients and you add a full dose of waste away, you can get that bloom that you don't want. And once you get the bloom, then you know, you've got a little fire brigade, you've got to take care of it, as we talked about some ways earlier. But if you add a little bit, nothing happens, then you can add a little bit more. So if you've added the full dose and the tank is not you know clear, the water's clear, there's no bacterial bloom, then you dodged a bullet and it's good. And I'm not sure, Hillary, why, if they've got a tank with all that, why would they add the one and only? Yeah, I'm but, not sure. They may have not added one and only. It, it, the way it originally read was the full dosage of waste away and only. Yeah, so hard hard to say, but the, the answer would be that if you've done that, you know, don't panic, but don't go away, you know, from your tank. Just keep an eye on it. And if you start getting that bloom and you know the way to look at it is from end to end not front to back cuz that's usually is the skinniest dimension but end to end and if that water starts to be cloudy that's telling you okay something's happening here and you want to take some proactive action sooner rather than later get the skimmer back on aeration uh filter sock to remove you know it'll become clogged up so remove the bacteria um but that's what I would do right now. And, you know, there, it's hard to say whether you should just uh, do something with, if you don't see a negative indication or, the, or you know, indication that things are going bad. Um, you, you can always turn the skimmer if that's not on or if you have a UV, put a UV on the system to, to get to kill the bacteria. But usually I'd like to see that there's something happening before intervene in either of those ways. That makes sense. All right. That was the last question. Uh, we have so many that I think we'll probably try and do a second podcast for Q and a for July. So stay tuned if we didn't answer your question in this episode. Yep. And uh, next week, American Cichlid Association, I'm giving a talk on uh Filtration, water quality, and cichlids. Then in a couple of weeks, we got Reefapalooza out in California. And then six weeks, Macna in Milwaukee. So lots of shows this summer. Come out and see us. Ooh. Oh, wait, did you say Aquashella? Oh, no. Aquashella is... Uh, it's like the first weekend in August, I think. August. We got Aquashella. And we're not even mentioning reptile shows. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> So anyways, folks, thanks very much for listening. And please send in your questions. If you don't get a reply from us at our uh, store site, um, then hit us up somewhere, somewhere else because we are, we, we fixed it and we're hoping it stays fixed, but it's technical stuff. And uh, thank you very much. It's been another uh, session of Dr. Tim's podcast with Dr. Tim and Hillary. We appreciate you listening.